This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. We are controlling transmission. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limit frequency. Good evening, my name is Sam. My name is Ricardo. And this is the Outer Limit Frequency. This episode is dedicated to the memory of Gift of Gab. last week's show, we explored the various ways in which high fantasy has been represented across the breadth of the music spectrum. Check out the episode on Spotify if you haven't already, and as fun as that was, it got us to wondering how fantasy's more serious cousin, science fiction, would fare given the same degree of scrutiny. So that is precisely what Sam and I have cooked up for you tonight. A galactic bounty's worth of robots, starships, aliens, and deep space heebie-jeebies. So calibrate your void comp machine as we set a course for distant worlds with a killer soundtrack to pass the time. And space! And when we talk about the legitimately pioneering space cadets, I insist that we start by turning to the world of jazz and to the legacy of Sun Ra and his orchestra. Born Herman Blount in 1914, the future king of the cosmos got his first taste of jazz at age 20, but it wasn't until he started composing and recording his own music in the 50s that things really took off for Sun Ra, pun very much intended. You see, not only was he one of the first African-American musicians to really go all in on science fiction topics in his music, he was also an early proponent of the socio-cultural aesthetic that became known as Afrofuturism. I really don't have the time to do the subject justice right now, but the long-lasting effect of Afrofuturism movement can be seen in everything from George Clinton's Mothership Connection to Marvel's Black Panther. I guarantee we'll circle back to this topic one day, but for now, this is Sun Ra with Love in Outer Space. Sunrise, love everlasting, reaches out. Thank you. 
are at least a little bit known for bringing sci-fi concepts into their music. While 2014's The Quantum Enigma touched on quantum physics and the ideas of losing yourself in a virtual world, not being able to tell the difference between what is real and what is illusion, 2016's The Holographic Principle took this a step further and essentially made it the Matrix. It deals with a near-future society in which we have created a digital world for ourselves and we get to the point where we aren't really sure if we are still in reality or in this constructed digital world. So yeah, The Matrix, which the song A Phantasmic Parade is basically about. However, weirdly, the song Beyond the Matrix is not. Instead, it's about being trapped in an actual Matrix-like cage which you can't see out of or feel out of, so you need to sort of project yourself beyond it, and uh, I don't know, Epica gets weird. Kind of love it. Shine through the sky
did something happen in the late 60s that made everybody obsess over space and space-related topics? Because there came a point in time where science fiction and cosmic themes were all the rage, and that point landed somewhere between the peak of the psychedelic era and the rise of hard rock in the mid-70s. Some intrepid wordologists in desperate need of a thesaurus decided to call this movement Space Rock. And of all those who were there for the dawn of the Space Rock movement, few were as prominent and committed to the bit as Hawkwind. The band most famous for kicking a young Lemmy Kilmister out for being a bit too much were some of the most arcane and dedicated spaceheads of their era, or any era for that matter. Silver Machine is a stone-cold cult classic about spaceships, but for now I'm feeling we need Master of the Universe. The name says it all, really.
have spoken at length before about the odd story of Poppy. The whole thing at least was that she was a creepy and very calm android-type creature trying to be human, or at least trying to convince us that she was human. It's a strange concept to base your entire persona around, but she pulled it off pretty well over the years. And her music has become darker, her personality has appeared more and more human as well, which is unsettling, but I think it's pretty hard to describe Poppy and leave out the word weird, so yeah, she's she's weird. In 2019, she released a graphic novel telling her fictional backstory as an android which is either here to save us or destroy us, and it was after this that her music started to actually get heavy. But for now, we're going back to the musical turning point, her album Am I a Girl, which on the surface is all about being unsure if she's a synthetic being or a human female, but is fairly clearly under the surface also about gender identity, the frustrations and pain that can come with that, and the acceptance that should be given. So, this is the title track.
By the late 70s, there was a new wave of rock stars in town. This new generation of high-minded weirdos had viewpoints and artistic tastes that were influenced by the proliferation of technology in the world around them. And it turns out this was the perfect breeding ground for an unironic love of classic science fiction. And it certainly didn't take long for the tone of this new wave of music to ponder the darker side of technological advancement and the prospect of computer-driven dystopia. And right at the forefront of that paranoid techno-fear frontier was Gary Newman. The former frontman for Tubeway Army made waves in 1979 with his cult classic album The Pleasure Principle, in which he explores questions of human identity in an increasingly digital world. The album's most famous song was its lead single, Cars, but on the equally good metal, Newman inhabits the mind of an android, lusting after the impossible dream of being a real human. It should come as little surprise that these two songs have been covered by fellow industrialists Fear Factory and Nine Inch Nails respectively. But of the two, I've always preferred metal.
its release, Billy Idol's cyberpunk album was criticized rather heavily, kind of about most aspects of it. The entire album felt rather forced for a start, and even things like the name of the album drew ire due to the overuse of the cyberpunk term at the time. It kind of makes sense, though, as the album's themes revolve around technology and fashion that you would probably call cyberpunk, and even the music videos had that weird cyberpunk feel to them. Granted, the feel of the music was more cyberdelia than, than actual cyberpunk, but yeah, it did what Idol wanted it to do. Our next song is Neuromancer, based off the book of the same name, which also went on to inspire The Matrix. So there's some more Matrix sci-fi.
In the Year 2525 by One-Hit Wonders Zager and Evans has to be one of the greatest pieces of speculative science fiction in the history of popular music. The song is a series of ruminations upon the nature of humanity and technology, starting at the titular year 2525 and projecting many millennia into the far future. And the world of science fiction has reciprocated the love shown by this track. Not only was a pitch-perfect parody of the song featured in Futurama under the title in the year 252525, but it also inspired the short-lived TV series Cleopatra 2525. The duo of Zager and Evans would unfortunately never reach the heights of this again, but I predict a riotous return to relevance in 504 years or so. Better mark it on your calendars. In the year 2525 If man is still alive If woman can survive They may find In the year 3535 Ain't gonna need to tell the truth Tell no lies Everything you think, do and say Is in the pill you took today In the year 45, 45 Ain't gonna need your teeth, won't need your eyes You won't find a thing to chew Nobody's gonna look at you In the year 55, 55 Doing that for you In the year 65, 65 Ain't gonna need no husband Won't need no wife You pick your son Pick your daughter too From the bottom of a long glass It's time for the judgment day In the year 8-5-10 God is gonna shake his mighty head He'll either say I'm pleased where man has been Or tear it down and start again oh, oh. In the year 95-95 I'm kinda wondering if man is gonna be alive Taking everything this old earth can give And he ain't put back nothing Whoa, whoa Now it's been ten thousand years Man has cried a billion tears For what he never knew Now man's reign is through But through eternal night The twinkling of starlight So very far away Maybe it's only yesterday In the year 2525 If man is still alive If woman can survive They may fall In the year 35, 35
British horror punk band Creeper are certainly not your typical sci-fi. However, their album Sex, Death and the Infinite Void carries a kind of sci-fi theme. But like, not really. You could, however, be tricked into thinking it's all about space if you look at the song titles and ignore the lyrics, with songs like Celestial Violence and Black Moon, for example. However, the actual themes of the album are more just about, as vocalist Will Gold put it, it's about sex, death, and the infinite void. It's about alienation. It's about feeling like you're living in someone else's world. And it's about learning what it is to be human. So you may say, hey, that's not really sci-fi. And then I'll say, my show, my rules. Black Moon sure sounds like it'd be sci-fi though, right? But then listen to the lyrics. It's about a ghost. So sci-fi-ish. Hey, if we can include Dracula in a fantasy episode, we can certainly bring maybe ghosts into sci-fi.
Music about computers might have been cutting edge in the 70s or 80s, but by the 90s it was old hat. No, what people wanted instead was music by computers, or failing that, people willing to spend their entire professional careers cosplaying as them. Enter French DJ duo Daft Punk. The pair first met in high school, and by the time their debut album Homework was released in 1997, they were 101% committed to their iconic Android personas. And what better musical accompaniment could you ask to match these campy futuristic characters than campy European electronic music? Where I think the Daft Punk succeeded was how their brightness and energy were such a good contrast to the post-punk dystopias of previous decades, creating a vision of the far future that sounded like that should be pretty fun for a change. And this exuberance carried through to the 2000s, via a Tron sequel, and all the way up to their acrimonious split earlier this year. Good game, Daft Punk. Good game. And from their Eurohouse masterpiece, Discovery, celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, this is Aerodynamic.
I'm never going to pretend that I understand the entirety of Machina's story. The basic gist is that over their nine albums and EP, they've told the story of man looking for new worlds and battling giant city-sized machines. It sounds like we've got a mix of Battlestar Galactica and Mass Effect here, which is great, but often, rather than it sounding like an epic sci-fi opera, it sounds more like horror. There's something truly unsettling about the story told by Machina and the way that they do it, but really isn't that a mark of great sci-fi? The entire concept should be weird and alien to us. Look, we did an episode about Machina a while back, and I had to bring in a guest host to explain things because it gets pretty nuts. From Siege, this is Shock Doctrine.
it does occur to me that we've used quite a lot of tracks by this next artist on the show, but that just speaks volumes to the level of relevance and conceptual greatness she has achieved in such a short amount of time. Because I am completely comfortable with calling Janelle Monet the heir apparent to Sunra's Afrofuturistic crown as it pertains to the representation of black excellence in science fiction and music. The ongoing Metropolis song suite upon which her career was built is literally named after the most famous science fiction movie of the early 20th century, so her appearance on this episode was pretty much a foregone conclusion. And aside from Monet's Cindy Merriweather character, how many contemporary futuristic R&B android divas can you name? I rest my case. Here is a very upbeat song about dancing your troubles away while the world burns. This seems relevant for some reason. This is Janelle Monet with Dance Apocalyptic. Dance Apocalyptic, bands that make her dance apocalyptic now. Bands that make her dance apocalyptic. Bands that make her dance apocalyptic now. Bands that make her dance apocalyptic. You going crazy, the hitman always find you. Do that dance, smoking in the girls' room, kissing friends. It's over like a comic book, it's running in the bathroom stuff. You're so freaked out, worry about the bomb, get your father out. But I'm allergic to the house, but it's credit card. They bought a new wife for a shot.
is like pork. You have triplets instead of twins. Does your food taste plastic? Hey, thanks bunches for joining us this week as we had a look at sci-fi. And if you like what you heard, jump on to Spotify and check out some of our old episodes. A lot of them waiting for you. And since you're coming back next week, you will be checking us out in the first of a two-part special, seeing if we can unpick one of the least helpful and most argued about music labels in history, and that is Alternative. It's going to be fun ripping that thing apart. We'll see you then. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.